Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangusky, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today, Europe says nine to Chinese new energy vehicle. Haha. And we'll also look at the recent flight of foreign investors from China. We'll start with the nine, which is news that the European Union has launched an anti-dumping investigation into Chinese new energy vehicles or NEVs. The probe was announced last week by European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen in her annual address to the EU's Parliament. She noted that China accounts for eight percent of NEVs now sold in the EU, and the number could rise to fifteen percent by 2025. She also said that Chinese NEVs typically cost twenty percent less than European-made models. So. Renee,、uh, we won't get an answer on this one for a while still, as the European Commission has up to 13 months to make a decision. But、uh, you know, based on what you've seen,、uh, this certainly isn't the first anti-dumping inquiry into China-made goods.、Uh, any any、uh, look into your crystal ball to tell us what you think they'll find? Yeah, well, I, I think they will find、uh, you know a certain number of things that、uh, have. Been long talked about、uh, by Western companies in terms of、um, what they perceive to be unfair competition with uh, with uh, Chinese companies,、um, and it has to do with, generally speaking, government support、um, to、uh, businesses, in particular when those businesses are deemed to be uh, of uh, national interest.、Mm. Uh, for China, and、uh, very clearly after the、uh, success that China has had with the、uh, solar industry, pursuing、uh, you know tactics and strategies that、uh, that the Europeans in this case believe are being applied to the EV sector as well,、mm. that、uh, that basically the feeling is that. Uh, it's more of the same, and we've seen this movie before. Right. So、um, you know, the U.S. had、uh, a solar industry. Europe, Europe had a、uh, solar industry as well, and and the、uh, European solar industry and U.S. to some extent has been hammered and pretty much decimated.、Um, and、um, and there's been long a, a very strong. I wouldn't say feeling. I would say conviction、um, in Europe and to some extent in the U.S. as well, that those companies in the solar sector benefited from,、uh, you know, very special support、uh, the, from the government in China, and、uh, it, it 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 took、uh, different aspects. Some of it had to do with cheap land.、Um, some of it had to do with,、um, you know, lower taxes. Um, some of it had to do with lower export、uh, taxes on exports and so on, and、uh, it was not just at the level of the central government, but also、uh, those companies. And and I know that from first hand, got a lot of support from、um, provincial governments and local governments as well,、mm. um, because in the more pro- in the more local environment and. The provincial environment; they were creating jobs, they were creating value,、um, and no matter 
you know, uh, the fact that tax rates were lower, uh, you know, I mean, they were uh, generating taxes for uh, local and provincial governments also. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, you look at all of that in, in retrospect, and the Europeans in this particular case have become convinced that uh, the same strategy and tactics are at play in China uh, in order to support, you know, an industry that uh, China seemingly, and I think pretty openly, has declared that it wants to be the leader uh, globally mm -hmm. uh, in. Um, and, um, and they see, uh, you know, cheaper models coming to Europe. Uh, they see more and more uh, Chinese companies announcing that they're going to the European markets and so on. Um, you know, uh, Europe, Germany in particular, is obviously very strong, large uh, automobile uh, industry right. uh, that supports hundreds of thousands of jobs and so on. And they're concerned. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that Europe in general um, is fine with a competition as long as it's fair competition. Mm -hmm. I think that they're gonna they're gonna find out what I think a lot of people have been talking about for a while. That definitely, when it comes to the EV sector, uh, Chinese companies get an assist mm -hmm. uh, of you know various nature and size uh, from from the Chinese government. That's, I think, what they're after and what they will find out. Right. And actually, I was going to point out, too, there's a couple of uh, differences, I think, here this time versus the solar. I remember, I don't know if you remember, but uh, during the solar, uh, the whole solar thing, you remember Angela Merkel was like a big supporter of not, you know, finding against the Chinese and she's gone. So she was sort of a, what do you call it, like a trade pacifist as she didn't, didn't want to confront the Chinese, that was one thing. And and then the other thing too is like you said, Germany is is obviously a big voice in this. And they they have much more at stake with cars than they do with uh solar. I mean they had some solar stuff, but obviously you've got, you know, BMW, uh Mercedes, Audi, you know, this is like a huge part of the the German economy. It sounds like seems like they may may take a harder line on this one. Um so, yeah, the, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I think that the big difference between the two is that if you go back to the beginning of the ascendancy of uh, Chinese manufacturing companies in the solar sector, uh, I don't think that anybody at the time in Europe or probably in the US as well could envisage how big uh, this would eventually become uh, because, you know, we're going back 10, 15 years and yes, people and governments uh, wanted to, you know, go green and so on, but I don't think that anybody really had a good sense for the size of uh, the market that, that it would become. Mm -hmm. With autos, it's very different because the market is established, at least in, in the traditional uh, ICE uh, vehicles, 
the market is established it's been established for a long time everybody knows how you know how much is at stake how many jobs are at stake and so on mm -hmm. so you're dealing with a much with a much more known if you want a problem here than than at the beginning of the solar manufacturing ramp up in in china mm -hmm. so i think that's why uh, you know it's it, there's a lot more focus on this. There's a, a lot more attention, and and I think a sense of urgency, even if it's going to take them up to 13 months to make a decision, I think that at least they've started sending a message. Right, right. Um, you know, I mean, as to Angela Mer Merkel, well, she was there and she's gone, and uh, yeah, there was, you know, she was always considered a very strong hand, but when it came to uh, foreign policy in particular her legacy is has come under a lot of uh, criticism and um, and uh, revision you know you look at yes she wanted to appease china then she wanted to appease putin and russia and so on and and you know we've all seen what has happened and it was then and it is now and you have a very different environment right okay well, stay tuned. Uh, let's let's move on to our next topic, which is foreign funds fleeing China. Uh, how's that for a good alliteration? Um, a Reuters story last week cited data from the Institute of International Finance saying foreigners yanked a record $14.9 billion from Chinese stocks in August. And meantime, a separate report from Rhodium Group showed U.S. and European firms are shifting investment away from China to other developing markets, with India being one of the biggest beneficiaries. So these reports are really looking at two different phenomena, one at stock buyers and the other at business investors. Uh, let's start with the stock buyers who pulled $14.9 billion from China last month. Uh, is this a number that China should be worried about, or is it more symbolic to show that foreigners are becoming bearish on Chinese stocks, or could it be both? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's a number, and it is just a number. Uh, it's one month. Um, I think that the issue is is much bigger than that. Uh, investors, foreign investors, have been pulling money out of China for a while. It didn't start last month, and it's not limited to this particular amount. Um, is it symbolic? I I don't think it's uh, symbolic. Uh, I think you know it's real, and uh, it's happening for. You know all the reasons that uh, that we've talked about, uh, you know, on a few podcasts uh, in the past, and and that you know are being discussed, um, you know, pretty extensively, uh, at least in the financial world in the U.S. and in Europe, and you know it has to do with uh, the slowing Chinese economy. Uh, it has to do with uh, the level of unemployment, um, lower consumer confidence, and definitely lower consumer spending mm. compared to what uh, you know a lot of investors uh, were expecting or hoping for uh, in a post-COVID recovery. Um, it has to do with you know the regulatory crackdowns than we have seen over the last two and a half years almost three years now, um, affecting a number of different sectors in which uh, global investors were heavily invested and lost billions and billions of dollars. Um, 
It has to do with, you know, the lack of transparency, um, which seems to have only gotten worse uh, over the past few months, at least when it comes to being able to get information, statistics about what's going on in the economy and so on, mm -hmm. uh, compared to before. Um, and uh, and then, uh, you know, you have all of that, that, that kind of combines and uh, sends the wrong message to stock investors. And, I, you know, I talked to a number of them, institutional investors from Europe and the U.S. on a regular basis, and, um, and that's what they're confronted with. So, you know, the, um, the thing that investors hate the most is uncertainty, number one. Number two, lack of transparency and, uh, and unpredictability. Mm. And you know, you look you look at the, what has happened in China over the past three years, and um, they've got on you know <laughs> a lot load of, of of those things. So <laughs> you know, they just uh, they're just going to sit there. I mean, the, the feeling originally was that they were going to sit there and sit tight and so on. But then, if you go back to December when uh, China abandoned its zero COVID policy, then funds started to flow back in on the expectation that uh, things were going to boom again. And then uh, it was okay for two, three months, and then it started to go a bit in reverse, mm. and people took money out again. Mm. Uh, and I think that uh, that's, that's going to be the case, uh, you know, until people just feel much more comfortable with what is going on. Earlier today, I, I spoke with a company that had just been on a roadshow recently in Europe, not even in the US, and uh, I was asking what they hear from investors and how investors feel these days and so on about them, and, and the answer was, well, they feel good about us as a company, but they don't feel good about China overall mm -hmm. um and uh, and i think that's uh, that's you know pretty much a um, a good way of of looking at what's going on right now in terms of how investors look at china okay well let's let's move on to the second point which was uh the, that rhodium uh study uh which said that uh businesses are are fleeing china as well um this has been talked about quite a bit lately uh, but can you comment on what's driving this this flight of foreign you know business investment dollars and and do you think this is a short term phenomenon or is it a longer term trend and and what are the implications for China? Well, I think it's a long term trend. Uh, the question that uh, you know can be debated is the is the magnitude of it. But I think that as far as the directional trend is concerned, this is long term. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a little bit like on, on the uh, uh, stock market investor side, um, you know, some of the issues are the same. Um, slower economy is not necessarily a very important issue when you're a company and you're looking out, you know, 10, 20 years in terms of investing or not investing in plants and so on. Mm. But, um, but uh, you know, regulatory crackdowns, obviously are a concern. Lack of transparency is a concern. What foreign companies believe is uh, unfair competition when they compete with state-owned uh, enterprises in China. 
Um, and um, and then more recently the anti-espionage laws, mm. um, which um, which really uh, have caused a lot of concern uh, because first of all um, they're not well defined. So if you're a foreigner and maybe even if you're a Chinese uh, person or business, you know you, you're trying to figure out exactly if there's a line, where the line is, and so on and 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 it's completely unclear. Right. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is that, and we've started to see, you know, articles about the fact that reportedly, uh, you know, people in China are now encouraged to uh, watch out for spies and report on inverted comma suspicious activity. Yeah, and they're even comma. getting training supposedly and, on uh, right. how to do this, right? Right, and watch foreigners and so on. Uh, and, and that just makes for, you know, very, um, very um, uh, negative feelings. Mm. If you're, you know, if you're um, people, and usually you'd be, you know, in management positions in China for a foreign company, uh, which needs, you know, to know certain things about the economy, about what's going on and so on, in order to run your own business and you go diligently you think about finding out the information that's critical to decision making and so on and then then you start wondering whether that might get you in trouble right um and if it gets you in trouble what kind of trouble is it and 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 how long is it going to last and and all of that and unfortunately you know, people, even companies, because let's let's remember that companies are obviously managed by people. Uh, you know, at some point in time, some people become, you know, very uh, edgy, concerned, uh, and uncomfortable, mm. and and that 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 creates a very negative uh, environment for you know companies to be uh, willing to uh, invest heavily in China, you know, in a way that it would affect the next 5, 10, 15 years possibly, right. not knowing what what may happen. Uh, then you have on top of that the whole issue of having to diversify your supply chain uh, because primarily of what happened uh, during COVID. Um, and, uh, and all of that is, is basically combining to have a negative uh, impact on um, what, uh, how much at least Western companies are going to be willing to invest in China going forward. This is this is not just about today or tomorrow morning, right. um, in my opinion. And you know, um, Bloomberg today had an article uh, reporting that uh, just 52 percent of respondents to a poll by the American Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai said they were at least slightly optimistic about the business outlook in China over the next five years. Mm -hmm. That is not good. <laughs> uh, and I know, I know that uh, many companies in Europe feel the same way. Okay. The big car manufacturers in Germany obviously talk a different language uh, because they have just so much riding on the China market. Mm. But, um, you know, these issues uh, that we just discussed affect everybody 
in in the you know outside China in the Western world. Okay. Uh, it is like it is quite possible that some uh, companies in uh, you know emerging markets or maybe even the Middle East, um, for whom it would be probably the first um, you know investment in China, uh, will pick up some of the slack. Um, but um, I mean, overall, I think that uh, this trend is is with us, and it's just going to continue. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's wrap things up there. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us this week. In our next program, we're going to look at the latest IPO application from a Chinese ride-sharing company called Dida that wants to list in Hong Kong. And we'll also look at the latest marketing move by Maotai, one of China's most famous brands which has announced it'll inject its boozy flavor into chocolate made by the U.S. Dove brand. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and rate us and share us on your favorite podcast app. Meantime, hope to see you all next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you all.